It's episode seven, 007, if you will, of dingers. And here we are hitting up SPs, starting pitches, and hot damn, are there tears? Tears, tears, and tears, all to help you make smart decisions on the most critical position in fantasy baseball. It's time for dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Matt Olson that helps you win championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. I'm Tyler Childs and joining me again this evening is Robbie Baseball. And, you know, I think it's a bit unfair, Robbie. You usually get a couple sips of beer in while I'm doing the uh, the introduction here because you crack yours during the, the, in, the real intro and then when I'm just saying, hey... This is kind of the fine print. You're already in the beer territory. So what do you got this evening? Uh, this evening, I went back to the hometown brew of the Huron Street Heffenweisen. And I went into the brewery, which is right in the heart of downtown New Hamburg. And I told them that we do a podcast and uh, they didn't care. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we just got to keep working it, though. Eventually, somebody's going to give us some beer to drink on air. Um you know, I, I'm on the other side of this one. I've got a, a Hop City Hop Bot, and this might be the the episode or the show high. It's 7.1. Whoa! So it will explain some of my rankings this evening. And <laughs> I, I know everyone. I'm the polar guy. Robbie's the safe guy in the rankings. I, I don't give a crap about what the standard is. Uh, I live my own life, and that's what you get in my <laughs> rankings. So, you know, I, I know, Robbie, you're a big Reese Hopkins guy. Did you see the bomb he hit today because i don't think it's landed just yet super bomb yeah super bomb everybody was looking out for harper and reese was like hey welcome to the party i mean to be fair my shoemaker threw one about as down the middle as you can throw a baseball so um you know most major league hitters would have hit that hard but he hit it on a different planet i think so well in spring training they can use aluminum bats right it looked like it. It sure as hell looked <laughs> like the way it. he popped it. And I, I had seen somewhere else that somebody I, – I didn't get to see the game, but somebody had commented that um, uh, Harper walked up to fresh Prince of Bel-Air for his I first eight as yeah. a Philly. And I'm like, very fitting. And in three months, everyone will hate you in Philly. But whatever. <laughs> no, they're going to love him in Philly. I mean, he's going to rock no undershirt, one button undone, and he's going to be a, a folk <laughs> hero. Like, we, we, that's coming. It's just a matter of time. Anyway, so – uh, this week we had a Tommy John, Tommy John train report coming in, um, choo -choo. but that's coming straight to you from behind the plate. Uh, Sally Perez is going down, finds himself on the shelf for the remainder of the season. I would assume um, they believe that was the report. I can't imagine there's any rush uh, in Kansas city to get him back on the field this season. So um, see you next year, buddy. And, you know, on that note, I think the the other element that we've we've touched on a little bit is best shape of your life. I know you're really into this Twitter feed. I'll let you run with this one, Robbie. Yeah, just I find 
I find the feed to be funny and they're, they're talking about a lot of different, a lot of different guys. And, and one person that I don't think I actually saw on their feed, but I had seen a lot of chatter today was uh, Martin Perez, who is the, I think he's the former Texas Ranger that was gored by a bull and he's now in Minnesota. And I, every time I say Minnesota, I just want to say Minnesota. Um, <laughs> Don't you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then that just makes us more Canadian. That's right. <laughs> to the hosers listening. Every um, time I think of Bobby's World, you remember that little cartoon? Yes. Yeah. With uh, who's a comedian that did it? Uh, Howie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So any, anyway, uh, Martin Perez is uh, throwing, I guess, harder than he ever has before. Uh, like up to 97, but as somebody 97. else, 97. Yeah, like he's sitting between 90, was it 93 and 95, and he hit 97 uh, and pitching like, you know, great for Minnesota as a potential fifth starter. So when they talked about um, getting rid of uh, Romero, who is somebody that you will not hear us discuss tonight, there's a reason why, and that's because they're throwing him in the bullpen at 24, and they got looking for crafty vets. And I, I mean, this doesn't mean anything and if he sucks over the next two weeks, but, you know, these are the kind of guys who are clearly in the best shape of their life. Well, I mean, for me, the, the, the question here is, uh, how do you jump from 92 to 97? Like, this just screams 50-game suspension. <laughs> it does. That's true. There are so many guys. Um, who, who was the other guy? Somebody, oh, yeah, it was a uh, uh, Boston pitcher that got popped this week, the knuckleballer. Oh, yeah, Stephen Wright. Yep. Thank you, Stephen yeah, Wright. You, you clearly need a juice to whiz that, that knuckleball in there. Um, that's, that's a, one of the weirdest 50 gamers we're going to see. Um, but it is what it is. Good for him. He's trying. Uh, yeah. So quickly, just a couple pitchers that are in best shape of their life. Tommy Canley, uh, having dropped pounds and reclaimed velocity. Canley is impressing with the Yankees this spring and you Darvish, uh, he says, and I quote, I, <laughs> I'm not going to do the Japanese accent. I was just about to, uh, yeah, good call. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the best I have in my career with the best stuff of my life. Wow. So that could be 270 K a year stuff. So I'm have you ever seen the video in Texas? It was a like Fox sports for or broadcast. And they, right when you came over, they had a whole bunch of fans that came over from Japan to watch him. And there's no. just this, this one guy that's like 10 sheets to the wind. And he's, he's talking to this, this reporter and the reporter's like, how do you feel about you? And he's just like, I love you. <laughs> it's like the most awkward thing of all time, but it is hilarious. I, I recommend you spend a couple of minutes on YouTube and I hope I did it is enough justice there to get you there. <laughs> <laughs> to find the old Darvish. Yeah. You're not going to find anybody in Chicago shouting that out right now. No, no, but they're saying, I, I, I read some today. Uh, Joe Madden was saying, it's nice to see him with a little bit of confidence. Yeah, he, he's coming in with a totally different mentality right now. So, um, you know, kind of running in there. The, you know, the thing I'm, I'm excited about, you know, before we jump into pitching, the guys that are jumping off the board with some bombs here in the spring, guys like Anthony Elford, and then friends of my fantasy team, Tyler O'Neill and Michael Chavis, um, really popping some baseballs this year instead of the... Uh, dingers, they're called, Ty. Dingers. Yeah. We named the podcast after it. Yeah, but you can't you can't just say dingers all the time. I just shouted in the streets. <laughs> I shouted in the cage. 
I'm playing old man, <laughs> old man league this year, and I'm hitting cage bombs all day. That <laughs> so, was clearly out of here. Less than <laughs> yeah, that was 40 up. feet foul, but it was deep. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, Robbie, why don't you dive in? Because you're a big um, points league guy, more so than I am. Um, dive into the value of pitchers in, in different in different league setups, right? Obviously, you know, we're, we're doing our, our research and, and list based around 8x8, eight eight, um, you know, including hits per nine, case per nine, those sort of stats. Uh, but you do a little more of the points and, and maybe chime in on, on where the pitchers fall in the valuation there. Absolutely. Now, I think no matter what league you're in, in a points format, because um, I've been in a few, and last year I was in one where we basically sat in front of the computer trying to figure out different ways to devalue pitching so that hitters were on a level playing field. And it, I don't care who you are or what league you're doing, it can't be done. And the reason for that is that pitchers with two starts in a week that are good will undoubtedly at least be slightly, like 10% above a hitter who has the best week of his career. And it's so easy for an average pitcher to put up 40 plus points a week in most standard formats. Then it depends on where you go. Uh, different sites have different bases and every, every league you're in is going to, the commissioner is going to try to dink with things a little bit. They're going to count a loss uh, for more or less. They're going to count saves or save holds. Um, wins are the big thing though. And wins can range typically from seven to 10 points and a K can be one point or two. A walk could be maybe minus a point or it could be completely ignored. And for me, I've basically found the formula that 25% boost to every starting pitcher in a points league is a safe way for you to find that pitcher when you need them. So if you're thinking somebody, like it's, it's hard to say with some of the top guys, but some people that are kind of in the middle or some former aces, if you think somebody could go in the 10th round in a general league, well, that should mean they might go somewhere in the middle of the seventh round. So you might want to make sure you're starting to look at how many pitchers have gone off the board when you hit the fifth and sixth round to be ready to make that jump. And depending on who they are, value pitchers, younger guys, especially in dynasty format, are scooped up like beautiful candy because everybody thinks, oh my gosh, this is the next Scherzer, this is the next uh, you know, Verlander. They just think these guys are going to be dynamite. So they are overvalued. And one of the best things that I, I have found in points leagues is I look at teams SP4s and SP5s and I start to find ways to get a few of those guys on that are on the younger side. And I try to build my teams that way. And last year I was very successful in a 24-team points league. I won it. And my final week I won it thanks to two start weeks from Ryan Barucki and uh, Kyle Freeland. And that's in addition to having Garrett Cole in my lineup who just, you know, as you own him in the league tie that we're in. And he just, he came on last year like we had all wanted. So I look at points leagues as pitchers leagues and pitchers leagues are dominated when you have lots of depth. So I look for it in high volume and I try to get it early. Well, I couldn't believe I kept Garrett Cole in, in our seven, seven man, 14 team keeper pool. And, uh, the amount of flack I got for keeping Garrett Cole and then the end of the year was just like, hey, boys, remember this this conversation? Uh, basically the 2018 version of Randall Grichik is what I would say. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> Grichik. What I, get, I was going to say. Grichik comment in for, he said 1,200 OPS in the spring, just saying. <laughs> just saying. What I, what I was going to say before you ruined everything with Grichik, this is why the local brewery won't give me free beer, um, <laughs> is – oh. Uh, 
crap. Now I'm looking at the beer and I forgot what I was going to say. I'm, I'm not too many beers in, I swear. Um, <laughs> who was, oh shit. I've totally forgot what I was going to say, Ty. <laughs> That's okay. I got you all rattled with the Grinchy comment, which yeah. is exactly what I was aiming for. So bang, bang on. <laughs> That's what talking about Gritchick will do. It'll it'll rattle your cage. <laughs> That's right. I mean, and he, it's going to rattle people's cages as he slides up the standings uh, of the player ranks this year. So, um, you know, let's let's just dive into pitching on that note, Robbie. Um, I've got a great stat to start off our number seventy-five list here. Uh, we're working backwards from seventy-five here in a two-episode pitching breakdown where we're going to cover our top seventy-five, including a top fifty. Uh, which is our next episode. Uh, and then we round it off by including uh, our top 10 prospects from each of us. So uh, in the 75 spots, we actually have, this is a fun fact, Robbie, uh, in your, or your story in 76, because we couldn't fit it into 75. That's um, right. Too much. We just, there's so many pitchers. And, so, and that's not even three per team in a 30 man. Like we're not even halfway through your SP3s. That's right, and that's why I still can't figure out why you have your 76 in there, which is James Shield. Um, <laughs> he had 18 quality starts last year. James Shield, 18 quality starts. He needs a job. He needs one now. Put the man with a crappy team, Kansas City. He was there before. It would be great. So the, the stat that I'm going to drop here is, is uh, the one I think everybody knows about Shields, and he's known as Big Game James, but he's, he's slowly transitioning into Big Bomb James because he's giving up dingers every game to the tune of 34, um, you know, that's that's more than one per start. That's that's a terrifying statistic. So the only person that did it worse is my number 76, which is Dylan <laughs> Bundy, uh, who gave up 41 in, in two less starts. So, um, yeah, that's kind of bad. I will say that both of those, those pitchers do pitch in hitter-friendly parks. So, you know, grain of salt there a little bit, but, you know, when you're, you know, almost 10 home runs clear of the third place guy um, and that third place guy's big sexy uh, you you have some issues you need to resolve so you know we're not gonna spend too much time on those guys I, I think we all want to see Bundy take a step forward whether he can or not that's to be to be told we still are unsure whether Shields is going to play this year um, but to, to Rob's point still can run you out there with some quality starts which uh, in category leagues do matter so um, I'll let you take 75 Robbie Sure. I've got uh, Joey Lucchesi on San Diego. I don't expect anything special from the man. He's, he's just somebody you're going to plug in. He's got some potential upside, especially if he can stick in the rotation as San Diego starts throwing prospects up. But I can just see him getting wins, not so much the quality starts. He's not a nine-plus nine uh, K guy. So, well, And realistically, opening day starter probably for them. Well, yeah, it's sad. There's a few teams that are supposed to be decent, or at least on the up. And then you look at the starting rotation, you're like, whoa wolf yeah yeah there's there's some promising pieces in san diego but uh not enough to get excited no i have a, a live auction for a 30 team league tomorrow that i've been doing prep for and one strategy i was thinking of that i just thought would be almost comical would be to get the entire rotation from a team and i was looking at possibly kansas city because they'll be affordable san diego is another option because all of their their presumed pitchers should be affordable but also in two years i'm sure four out of the five will not be in major league baseball anymore yeah, and there's a good chance Paddock breaks camp with them too, the way they're raving about Fingers him. crossed, baby. Uh, so we'll get to him a little bit later on. But, um, you know, we talked about Hopkins on uh, the onset here. My 75 is is the guy that delivered that fastball down the middle, uh, Matt Shoemaker in Toronto. I mean, he's working back from an injury-plagued, injury you know, 2018. So 
You know, this one, I think we all know Shoemaker has a little bit of potential. He's probably going to slot into three or four hole in Toronto and, you know, should deliver some quality starts, some wins. He's definitely going to log some innings there with that young team transitioning uh, up in Toronto. Yeah, I think he's just going to he's going to pitch. So, it, as long as he's healthy, he's getting the ball every fifth day and there's a lot to be said for that in fantasy sports. Absolutely. And in, into the 74 spot, we you know, we've got a couple of guys like for me, I've never been a Jose Quintana fan, which is who I have 74. I've never really overly loved his stuff. I think he cashed in big time on a really good season and a half before he went into free agency. I just there's there's something to like about having a high floor, but don't really love uh, the, the short ceiling on, on a Katana. He, he wasn't, uh, he hasn't FA'd yet. He's, he was traded to, from the Sox to the Cubs. I it was just, he extended him. Oh, may, well, maybe they did. I don't, that I didn't know, about, but when he got traded over, I just remember thinking, geez, that was quite the, quite the deal for the Cubs. But realistically, like this is just a pitcher. Like he's yeah. nothing special. And I've got Trevor Williams who, made the transition in 16 from starter to or sorry from reliever to starter and then solidified it in 2017 last year he he was good he was a good starter i think he's at his peak you can't expect much more from him and the pittsburgh uh team itself is not poised to be as competitive as it was last year so i don't know that he's going to see 12 wins this year but he could very well see 12 quality starts depends on how good his defense is behind him but you know again He's just a guy. He's gonna he's gonna get out there. He's gonna give you pitches, innings. Depending on what your format is, he's not gonna hurt you to the same degree that guys beyond him will. Yeah, and and MLB.com is actually showing on on the Lucchesi note. Jumping back a little bit, um, you know, Chris Paddock is the potential opening day starter, <laughs> which is the first time I've heard that. That's that might be pushing it. Um, uh, maybe that's MLB really wanting it <laughs> to happen yeah. more so than San Diego wanting it to happen because. Because Strasburg did it on the home opener, right? When he debuted? Uh, he, de- he debuted like mid-season or something like that. Did he? I could have yeah. sworn he who's the home opener because he lit up like 13 strikeouts in like five and a half innings. Yeah, it was 14 or 60. Whatever it was, that ball's in the Hall of Fame now, but we don't talk about the Hall of Fame on this show anymore. Uh, absolutely. No, <laughs> definitely not. Not until, no, until Gritchick gets there. <laughs> I have a former Strasburg uh, teammate, Lucas Giolito as my number 73 is with the White Sox now. Um, I still think he is about three years away from his peak performance. He's 24-25 this year. And last year, he started to get better towards the end of the year. And the one nice thing that Chicago did was they left him in the starting rotation throughout the year. So he is coming back this year having failed, having not triumphed, but having gotten some small ounces of success. And I can see him doing a little bit better this year with the team around him also being better. Yeah, and I, I've got another young pitcher in this slot. Uh, you know, we don't tend to put a lot of our prospects in our in our list because they're you know very unpredictable as to when they're going to get called up, especially with the Super 2 rules and stuff that are in play in today's game. Um, but this guy's going to be in Oakland, barring an injury. So he, the talent's there and deserving of this ranking. So I've got uh, Jesus Lazardo or the Jesus Lizard, as they're calling him. <laughs> and so... Uh, you know, this kid's obviously got some talent. He's a, a very, very high number two um, with ace potential um, in the future. So, you know, I think all the talents there, it's just, you know, his value will be dropped just a little with the potential of him not opening the year on the squad. 
Yeah, for sure. He, a high potential guy. Just not sure we're going to see him. AJ Puck looked great a year ago before he blew out his shoulder too. Um, for me at 72, I've got, I'll, I'll do two. I got 72 and 71. They're both Dodgers. I've got uh, Kenta Maeda at 71. He is going to start this year. It's just a matter of how long. And I've got Hunjin Ryu at 72. These guys are both very similar in the sense that they will go out and give you innings. And it's a matter of how many you're honestly expecting. I would say dynasty format. I'm looking at both guys to give me two years and about 150 innings a year. I'm not looking for anything great. I would be happy with an ERA under four from them if they can K eight per. I, I know Maeda had pretty good Ks last year, so maybe he could give me in a season 170, 180 Ks, but that's about it. And they're going to be on a dominant team, so they should get wins, potentially quality starts, but probably not in L.A. And I will say this. I mean, those two guys are the backbone of L.A.'s playoff chances, right? Like, you know, there's obviously some high-end talent out in L.A., but if they can't get the middle of the rotation starters to carry some innings, they don't have enough depth out there without another signing um, to, to carry through any blowback if those guys aren't, aren't real good. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see the way, that way that plays out. 72, I've got Reynaldo Lopez, who you and I actually both like um, quite a bit. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, you've got him at 72. Yeah, I mean, for me, it comes down to this. Um, wins and quality starts uh, in the White Sox games are, are still probably a year away. I like this guy a lot uh, for the long term. Um, he's still got a little bit of, um, you know, proving ground to get through here for me at uh, the back half of last season, he was very, very good, um, and finished strong. So I think, I think he's rounding into form. Uh, he very well could be a top 30 pitcher, uh, this year, but you know, there's still some question marks there. I, I like him a lot for, for a guy that can jump up the board, but at the same time, you know, recognizing that he is a risk, uh, still at this point in his career but but love him i own him in a bunch of leagues so um you know i do have him there a guy that's just got it done in my 71 spot for the number for a number of years uh, especially recently over the last three or four as jay hap uh you know i think he's a guy though that has a giant cliff in in his repertoire he's gonna get you 10 12 15 wins in new york this season that's just by default he's gonna get the innings uh should win some games should win some ugly ones stat you know era uh, case per nine, those sort of things. I wouldn't go crazy over those ones because I expect as his fastball velocity slowly comes down in his older years, you'll start to see his value diminish. He's age 35 this season, so keep that in mind. When drafting happened, a nice rotation filler, no questions there. Um, you know, moving up into the 70 spot, I've got a guy that's, you know, kind of looking for a bounce back season this year, has shown flashes of being a really solid number two. Um, with with kind of bouts as a high-end number three, which is Jimmy Nelson in Milwaukee. He's certainly not going to be impeded by the quality in that rotation. So uh, I expect him to have a real good run at it this year if he can stay healthy, and we'll see how high his inning count goes. That will probably in all likelihood determine how high his value ends up being come season end. Yeah, Jimmy Nelson's one of those guys a couple years ago I thought – what a what a steal and uh, injuries have just prevented him from being able to really do his thing. So hopefully this year he, he's back. He's at he's at full bore too. Um, for me at number seventy, I've got Kyle Gibson, who was like a a good punchline for a, a who's on your starting rotation in the uh, number eight spot for depth in uh, a thirty man league last year. But he actually was a pretty solid pitcher on a underachieving Minnesota team and. I, f I feel this year you can just 
throw him back out there and he should be able to do things on a hopefully better Minnesota team. He's not a high K guy, but again, he's not going to crush you. He's not a big guy for walk. So he should be able to um, keep his ERA in and around the four mark. And if you have two start weeks, he's one of those guys that you want, might want to be just popping in there. And he does have a fairly safe spot as the SP four in Minnesota. And I don't know how aggressive Minnesota is going to be elsewhere. They do have guys come like, who, who is it that they've got coming back from injury? Um, uh, who'd they sign the big old yank from two oh, years ago. Uh, Pineda. Thank you. Yeah. Pine tar Pineda um, <laughs> who did not make my top 75. And uh, I just don't see him as somebody who's going to hold back. Cause you got guys coming back from injury. And, and as we know, no, no team in baseball just uses five starting pitchers. So to me, Gibson healthy will just stay in that lineup. And, well, and the other thing is too, Minnesota has the the most amount of mid rotation guys in their system of like any team. They have no right. aces, and 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 they just have mid rotation guys. So it's hard to bump them because the the upside of the next guy isn't that great. <laughs> That's right. Um, and somebody else who we just discussed the LAF. It's weird. I just realized I've got three three out of four. Or, sorry, three yeah three out of four guys here are all Dodgers at sixty nine. I've got uh, Ross Stripling, who I can see this year because of as we just mentioned the lack of. Um, consistent innings pitched out of the Dodgers rotation. We've got questions with Kershaw, questions with Hill. Uh, Maeda only pitched one, I think it was 150 last year. Uh, Ryu was coming back from an injury plagued for what, four years or so. Um, so I can see, and Julio Urias, we're just not exactly sure. It, Stripling looks like he's the SP6 right now who's going to slot in if Kershaw's not ready. I don't know that he's going to get bumped out of the rotation this year. And definitely long-term, I see him as a pretty stable piece. So for me, he's a safe bet to pick up in dynasty format. And, and, you know, when we hit into the, the sixties, the high sixties, we're talking about potential SP for me talking about potential SP twos. I can see him possibly ending up in that realm, but he's a really safe SP three 2019 and beyond. Absolutely. And in the 69 spot for me, I have uh, Josh James in Houston, another young guy that got a good go down the stretch in the playoffs last year in Houston. There's no question. This guy's got the talent. I think a lot of people still have him pegged for the bullpen, and I don't. I don't think that's what Houston is intending for him, and so that's why I have him on that side. The nice pick here um, is is you're getting a guy that's at, at some point either going to be a rotation piece, and or a very high leverage bullpen piece. So you know, from a, a youth risk scenario, you're really not risking a whole lot because his value is going to play on either side of that that uh, outcome. Um, and, and very much he could just be a year away uh, as, as they move through guys like Cole and Q and they got to figure out what long-term outlook they have with Verlander and Cole. So, you know, ultimately there's an interesting, you know, um, competition in camp there because, you know, Colin McHugh, Wade Miley and Peacock are not going to stop the, the Whitley's and Josh James's of the world from staying out of that rotation. So I know McHugh got lit up today in spring training. So, you know, we're, we're, we should start seeing some of those pitchers begin to showcase their stuff. And, and if they're not, then then the competition's on. So, you know. Well, also, like, um, James is hurt. Like, James hurt himself. So he kind of shot up, not, not shot himself in the foot. But he's he's got to step against him right now in that competition just because I can't remember exactly what the strain was, but it's uh, unrelated to the arm. Um, yeah, so he's, got, he's taking a step back in that uh, competition. But that's just starting the year. That's not dynasty. Well, I, I will say this, though, that the the Astros depth chart doesn't have anything on it. Um, he did throw a bullpen today, so he's he's coming back full tilt. Um, you know, I, I think this is a a way for the 
the teams to also bury some of these guys that are um, uh, trying to push their ways into the MLB without giving up their arbitration years. So um, teams are getting a little savvy with that sort of thing. Oh, you've got a strain. You should probably shut it down. Tends to be these young kids too. So anybody who um, just heard what Tyler said about the uh, Houston Astros not having any depth, um, I do the research for the show and I put a list of 75 prospect pitchers together. Um, if you just look at who is arguably number one, but I have them down as number four, it's uh, Forrest Whitley. Um, they've got depth. It goes down further than <laughs> further no, than just Whitley. But I, I said the opposite, though. I said they don't have him on their depth chart. Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah, no, no, no. Words. They're, they're definitely missed chart. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> very depth. they're very deep. Nope. No, they okay. actually have. I, I wouldn't say they're deep, but they have high end talent. Yes, yeah. they certainly more, do. And like more James, so than a lot of yeah. teams. Sorry, Ty. Nope. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, James certainly seemed to be a kind of guy who you, nobody was like hanging their hat on two years ago. But Forrest Whitley, pre-suspension, was almost a lock to be in the rotation last year. And then I forget what the trade that didn't happen was where. Uh, Whitley ended up tweeting at the GM like, thanks for not trading me or, or believing in me or something like that. And I thought, yeah, like you get popped with a suspension and, uh, you know, your stuff's so good that the team didn't want to get rid of you. But at the same time, this is the team that picked up uh, Roberto Osuna when all hell was breaking loose for him um, in Toronto. So Yeah, me and Lundhau could be boys. He he has no moral, moral decision-making. It's just best player. That's what we do here at Fantasy. Yeah, uh, best team. I, a pop culture does not matter on my fantasy roster. I could care less. It did for me a couple years ago, but now I, I, I want to win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep, that's what it matters. Stats and stats and stats. That's all I care about. So, um, you know, without hanging on too long, in, in the 68 hole, um, I have your, your guy from 69. I brought the stripling as well. Uh, he, he is exactly the way you lined him up. Just going to give you the innings, going to get it done. Nothing special on any particular stat category, just nice and average all the way across the board. Yeah, and I, I'm taking a bit of a chance. I see you've got him a, a couple ticks higher. Uh, I've got uh, uh, Kikuchi from Seattle. He is 27 now. I think his peak is – his Japanese peak was two years ago, and last year was a little bit of a struggle for him. But I think when he comes over, he's going to have the same thing that lots of Japanese pitchers have, which is early season success. So depending on your league, you were probably able to get him in a rookie draft. If not, uh, if you're able to get him in free agency or however you know it works for you, uh, draft format, pick this man up. He's going to get into Seattle. His stuff is hard to see. He has uh, a really good – or has the ability to hide the ball really well. And from what I've been hearing on reports, uh, he's doing a really good job at making fools of MLB hitters right now. Now, again – this is going to change once everybody adjusts to him. So at the midway point of the year, numbers will start to inflate. So he's not somebody you want to pick up midseason because you think you missed out on him. He's someone you either want now and you want to be able to hold him and possibly pull him out of your lineup when the time is right, or you want to trade him off because he'll be probably at his all-time peak, I don't know, the last week of May into June, and then things might start to adjust for him. And I could still see in two years, he levels off as a really good SP3, possibly an SP2. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I have him up a couple spots, as he said. Um, you know, for me, I've watched his stuff. Like, the stuff isn't off the charts. Uh, I do think, you know, your point about him hiding the baseball is, is going to help him significantly. I, I think he's going to be a guy, though, and the reason I have him a touch higher, he's going to be around for a while. 
he's going to be kind of the Kenta Maeda type where he's going to give you some innings, uh, decent strikeout numbers, um, you know, quality starts, that sort of thing. So I, I just like him to be a nice median base uh, ro- rotation filler for your fantasy team. So that's why I got him a bit higher uh, than the guys I have below. But between Stripling and him, I have Gio Gonzalez, who does not deserve to be a free agent at this point. He's 31. He has seven straight seasons of 27 innings or, or 27 starts or more um, and, and re- pretty good strikeout numbers. Um, I don't know the exact number, but I know he's got a bunch of 200 strikeout seasons in there. Um, you know, so enough that he should be on a roster, especially when we talked about earlier Kansas, or, uh, San Diego having, you know, no depth at the major league level. Even if you're bringing Gio in for a year, that needs to be there. So, um, I know on your side, you also have a guy that's still a free agent. I do. And it's Dallas Keuchel, who you have ranked way higher than I do. Um, but it's for me, it, we're at the point in the year where I don't see him latching on with the team and having himself a great season. And that puts into question his future beyond this year. He's a ground ball pitcher. So for him, a perfect park is a big park and is a great defense behind him. And I'm not sure when you are into the what closing in on the midpoint of March, what your options are going to be. So for me, I am taking a pass on Keichel until he falls so far back that you're just silly not to take him. I was in a draft this past week and uh, Kmart who uh, Carlos Martinez of St. Louis, he fell. I don't even know where like into the late two hundreds and then somebody took him and three other guys were like, finally, like I just couldn't be the guy. And we were all like thinking like, wow, like this is good value. And it's the same thing with Keuchel. They fall so far because you don't know what in the heck is going on with them for this year. And it puts into question their future. And that's the same thing for me. Absolutely. I'll, I'll chime in when I get to him on my side as to why I have him a touch higher. Perfect. And I'll move into somebody who's almost on the opposite scale that that's my 66. That is Nick Pavetta of Philly. He's somebody who every time I'm in a league the last, what, three years, two years, I guess it would really be from the MLB standpoint. Somebody is a Pavetta guy. They think he's going to be this dynamite K man. They think he's got great control, but he's typical or he's prone to blowout. So if you're talking about an average 34 or perfect year, 34 starts, he is not going to have 15 good starts, which means his peak would be 20 quality starts. That's not going to happen in the NL with a guy like this who throws. He's very much like a younger Jay Happ. He misses a lot because he tries to pick corners and he ends up with more walks. He is a K guy, but he's not crazy high. I don't see him as putting it all together yet, but he's definitely somebody that's on the up from a dynasty standpoint as opposed for, for me, I would say at 67 with Keichel, who's on the downside of it. So I like Pavetta. I'm not, I'm probably not going to own him anywhere this year because there's too many guys who are all over him. That's, that's Nick Pavetta. Well, and I think if you break, uh, break him down a little bit, I think, you know, you, you made a really good point with, with a hap comparison. I usually do. I like that a lot. (laughs) Um, and, and I think he's a guy that could really round into form. And I think he, I think it was the beginning of, of 16. I think everyone was very high on him. Um, he, he pitched well in 16, 17, had a bit of a dip, 18, not good really at all. Um, but I think the other thing is too, you know, some of these kids, especially when you're valuing these kids based on the way they come up and the way they kind of pan out, they're all making adjustments, whether it's, you know, their, their technical form or, or their pitch types, they're all making tweaks. And sometimes a little tweak absolutely kills them. Like, you know, we were talking about David Price in the past, having 
you know, pitch tells that, you know, derailed his career for a good year and a half. Right. So, you know, there's things like that, that kind of pop in and, and you, you just got to let some of these younger kids play out sometimes. And there's a value to knowing when they come in and, um, Pavetta is an interesting one to watch for this year and next, in my opinion. 33 starts, or sorry, 32 starts in 33 games, but he only ended up with 164 innings, but 188 Ks, but his whip, 1.3. And that was down from, or that brought his career total down to 1.39. So improvement for sure. Like he's not old. This is going to be his age. Where are we here? His age 26 season. So in, in 17, he started getting uh, regular playing time at 24 and, you know, a brute, he, very giolito He also ERA just over six. And then last year, 477. <laughs> we'll see where he is this year. Um, but again, yeah, just a quick little drop in on him. The patent pending giolito uh, <laughs> is a yeah, dinger's like term. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're going to have a whole bunch of people bringing us ice cream now. <laughs> i'd be cool with that <laughs> so it's on 65 i've got a guy that was a huge disappointment last year uh in arizona and that's uh zach godley who was a, an awful third overall pick last season cool. um might have even been second actually uh in our keeper pool and it was a terrible decision got chirped then it got chirped later it's getting chirped now and i'm gonna be done with it because he's not worth talking about but um other than that he is a bounce back candidate so is he gonna be a rock star no but can he provide value probably yeah i can definitely see godly being better this year he's gonna still be on the arizona team that he struggled with last year for sure caution with him but the upside's there for me i'm looking at an all upside pick here with uh, my 65 which is daniel magden he will be entering his age 26 year he had some good time. Uh, sorry, he had a good break-in season with uh, Oakland in 2016. Break-in meaning that he actually got to uh, pitch. He got seven, 14 starts for them uh, in 16 last year. When, or sorry, 17 when they were a little bit better. He only had seven starts. 18 last year he came in and he started 17 times. Now he, to me, seems like the, the perfect guy to want more from always and potentially never get. But I am digging in. He's 26. This should be when he starts to really come into his own as a pitcher. I can see three, four years of pretty good production. The only thing standing in his way is the old-ass group that's going to start the Oakland Five this year. Um, potentially, the fifth spot is, is up for grabs. But I think somebody who I've got it ranked a few ticks higher is going to steal that role. And I'm looking at a guy who last year had a 451 ERA. Like We're not bragging at this point here. But his value is there. Sorry, his ERA is 405, but his FIP was uh, 451. I just think he's a potential guy that could get bumped. Like, I agree with all of what you just said. Like, he is a guy that could deliver some huge value because most people just stay away from him because of his dirty mustache. Um, Which is beautiful. It is oh. a great. It's a great mustache. It's a real, it's a real humdinger. But um, there's just so much talent in that A system, and it's right around the corner. Um, I know you like a lot of guys that are on that radar uh, that might not quite be on the field yet, but that's the only thing that scares me with Magnum, but everything else there's, again, he fits in what we've talked about a couple of times here in that mid rotation filler guy uh, that just helps you build bulk out your team. Yeah. And, and on the youthful side too, because we're not talking about 33, 34 year olds. Like I'm not talking about Estrada as somebody who might be able to kick around and Estrada is one of the guys who's in Oakland this year. 
But here's Oakland's starting rotation, and let's just rhyme off how many are in our top 75. Mike Fires, not in mine. Estrada, not in mine. Mm-mm. Fred Anderson, not in mine. Magda, he's slotted at SP4 right now. And then uh, Frankie Montas, who's as slotted as the SP5. But like there are, there are options that um, have not yet broken up or that just aren't in the lineup this year. Like you've got Triggs, who's out with an injury, Sean Manaya, Daniel Gossett, and Gerald Cotton. Those are all guys who add to a depth chart that as the year goes on, perhaps we might see those guys back. We're not going to see Manaya, but we might see Triggs. Um, we better see Cotton because uh, I just, I want him. I want him so bad. And there are, there are options, but I still can see Magnin sticking around and kicking around. Yeah, no, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with all of that. Um, you know, moving back onto my side at 64, uh, we're back out in LA. I've got Hinjin Ryu here. It, the only thing that's really plagued him is injury. The stuff's there. The guy's dynamite. It's just a matter of how many innings he's going to play this season. Uh, we'll t- determine where he fits on these rankings. Rob's got him a little bit lower. Uh, I've always been a Ryu guy. Love the stuff. Love the lefty. Love the park for him. Um, and I do think that division get, takes a step back this season, with the exception of the Rockies, who I've said multiple times, I think are the best team in the NL. Um, Could go undefeated. They're, yeah, they're not going to go undefeated, <laughs> but... Um, you know, uh, they could they could be so much better than everybody thinks they will be because all they have in, at every position is crazy depth except for starting pitching but their starting pitching surprised the crap out of all of us last year so who's to say that they can't just level that off and just yeah I'm, st- I'm still waiting for jeff hoffman to turn the corner uh, yeah don't cross your fingers no i'm not but it's uh it, it, that's the one, right? Like if you bring a guy with that kind of talent through and he actually breaks through a la John Gray, um, you know, you might yeah. be on to something there. Yeah, I, I don't disagree there. Now at 64 for me, we're going to the NL East and uh, Julio Tehran, who is a guy that everyone loves to hate. He's coming in to his ninth year. Holy crap. I can't believe he has been in the show since he was 20 years old. Last year is ERA just under four. 31 starts, 175. And if I just quickly look, I'm looking at 185-ish innings or more in his last six seasons. So he's somebody you're just going to put out there. He's not going to um, be a huge K guy for you. He's just under, well, a little bit more than just under. Last year, 175. He had 162 Ks. The year before that, his K per nine was a little lower. Um, His hits per nine last year were down a lot. He was at 6.3. And prior to that, his career average was over eight. So he's somebody who may have found a way to, although the ball's still in play, may have found a way to cut down on hits. Um, and I, I mean, he's a little bit better than league average. His ERA plus is one of two. So he, and his defense got better too. Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because he was on a crappy Atlanta team for probably, I don't know, when's the last time they were good? <laughs> 96. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that a pretty long run of success, but um, yeah, regardless, I, I, to me, he's somebody that, that nobody wants. Like I've tried to, I've tried to trade him for decent value guys back in return in other areas in different leagues and nobody seems to want him. So I'm happy to keep him as an SP three for me. He's probably never going to end up as a steady, steady or stable SP two, but he's, he's always going to be somebody who I slot out there if things are going right for him and he's a perfect guy on a two start week to go out and just crush it for you. Yeah. And, and probably based on how his career's played out, probably a pretty good buy low option as well. Um, you know, just in terms of not really having the chance to, to showcase himself on that bad team that he's played on for a number of years. Yeah. He'll have the benefit of a lot of upside around him now. So 
Yep. All right, and moving moving up, um, I've got Giolito, who uh, Robbie went into pretty good. So no need to really to to go into it here. I love the back half of the season stats. Um, I love splits. If you don't take advantage of splits when you're looking at acquisitions, trades, and draft picks, um, you need to. It's it's a great way to to take a look at at who's going to break out, um, and you just have to consider all of the external factors around that um, if anomaly, if you will, to make sure that it's not just uh, flash in the pan, but I, I like where Giolito's trending. I don't think he's going to be an ace like I originally thought. Um, maybe a nice number two, which you know he slots in nicely at sixty three under that expectation. Yeah, as as a peak for him as a number two, sure, I take it. And now somebody else who has all the hype in the world heading into this year, at, I have at sixty three, and that's Tyler Glass now. So Glass now got the trade last year he was looking like he was going to become a failed sp and turn into a potential closer in pittsburgh then the trade came through with archer um him meadows and um, whoever it was that pittsburgh had drafted were shipped in return and like i, I don't know it, it didn't blow me away after he got traded like i own him in a couple leagues so i was really excited that oh good i didn't end up with a reliever i do have a starter and he came out and he had some decent starts but i didn't see anything that made me think He's going to be amazing. Everything is everything is right in the world now. Uh, I just, I you know, the ERA is over four. Even at, like after the trade, he still had a couple of games where he blew up. He did have, I think, a 10K uh, game against Toronto, five innings. Something that was early on when he started. But he's got to come back this year and show everybody that that or he, he's just gonna. It's gonna be so hard for everybody to get what they want and value out of him that I'm not gonna go ahead and say go get him. He's not a top 30 guy for me. He's so far back because I haven't seen it. And I just don't know if Tampa Bay is going to be the the team that's going to like extract everything out of him after they started to make the corner or turn the corner with him a bit last year. But I just didn't see all of that improvement that everybody claims to have seen in the second half. To me, he's, he's potentially an SP two. He's certainly should be at least for the next three years, an SP three. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly there. I'm, I've never been a Glasnow guy. Um, I, I think he'll get there, but... Um, Glasnow I, I, half empty or Glasnow half full for you? I'm half empty, no questions. That is like a really good... We should make that a segment. Yeah, Glass I should have thought about that yeah, before. Yeah, but that's definitely that's a t-shirt <laughs> idea for sure. Yeah, if he was keeper worthy, that might be my shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, moving on, uh, I've got Kante at Maeda. Uh, you know, you can kind of see the trend here. I've got about a a ten player gap here um, for for my guys that Rob had a little further back, and it's just I value the middle of the rotation guys a little bit um, when I'm drafting my category teams because they generally tick a couple boxes like him a lot for that reason so you know nothing really flashy about Maeda other than he's just going to go out there and, and pound the box and uh you know hit some categories and it's nothing wrong with a guy that's willing to pound the box uh so at 62 you have this player ranked much higher so i'm just going to very briefly go through aaron sanchez who i have of the blue jays last year in 105 innings 86 k's a high whip 1.5 um, he did have 20 starts, so there were lots of blowups that resulted in a four and six record and a 4.89. Now he is, I believe, going into his age 26 season. Uh, this, yes, this will be his age 26 season. So Ty's got a lot more to say about him than I do, and that gets me off of my uh, 62 and 61 for me is Marcus Stroman. Uh, Stroman is another guy that Ty you have ranked higher than I do. 
So I'm just going to say that Stroman is uh, a very polarizing player in Toronto right now. A lot of the media is harping on him for making comments that he wants to be on a team that competes. Last year was the worst year of his career, similar to Sanchez, 102 innings, 77 Ks, high whip to 1.4. He started 19 games. So again, there were, there were injuries, I think, that cut two or three of his starts short. He ended up with a 4-9 record. Um, his ERA was really bad, 5.54. Um, to me, he's somebody that I'm, I'm definitely interested in at, you know, as a 60 in the 60s guy, but he is somebody that I'm also going to watch like a hawk. He's hitting his age 28 year. So we may have seen his best season, but I mean, I don't know. You're going to talk about it more later. Yeah. Um, and on my side, I've got Magnan, who we, t- we spent some time talking about earlier, like him as a mid rotation guy, um, you know, age 26 season, as we said earlier, uh, you know, I think those guys in Oakland always have a real good shot to surprise, um, you know, the amount of extra outs they get down the foul line goes a long way. Um, and I think all of the pitchers are praying when they build that new stadium that they bring over the big foul lines, which is <laughs> extremely unlikely. But, um, you know, I think that that's something to think about as you draft the young athletics um, on the pitching side is, you know, a new stadium for them is a bad thing for pitchers. Yeah, and yet to be determined exactly what that might mean for hitters. But um, another Oakland guy who I uh, previously had mentioned is Frankie Montas, who um, – is slated to potentially be the fifth starter right now in Oakland. I'm crossing my fingers that he's going to get it. Last year, he, I don't want to say broke in because he didn't really break in, but um, last year he he start, he he arrived officially. He came over from the White Sox. Um, I'm trying to think of what that deal would have been when the White Sox were trading. 15, he was a White Sox, so didn't pitch in 16. Um, 17, he's with Oakland. So, um, Either way, so his uh, yeah his three-year career average, he's only amassed 112 innings in that time. Nothing really setting him apart. He's not a huge K guy. Uh, he had some control issues with walks last year, but I can see him slotting in just being better and being in that Oakland rotation for a long period of time. I know he is a control pitcher, so the walk, now that I'm just looking at the career totals, I think it's just skewed from the early on in the career. Um, but he's back, he's healthy, and for me, he's somebody that I want to see getting the ball every fifth day. And Oakland's a perfect park, like you just mentioned, about giving all the pitchers a little bump. He's a guy who I see getting a lot of uh, opportunity out of that fifth spot in a big park like Oakland. Yeah, and, and back on the Montez, uh, Montez trade, he actually went to the Dodgers first um, in the three-player trade that sent Todd Frazier and Jose Peraza around the horn um, oh, okay. since Cincinnati. And then later was part of the Jarrell Cotton, Grant Holmes there we go. trade okay. with Josh Reddick and, and Rich Hill. Your boy, Rich Hill. Yeah, and, and my, my boy, Jarrell Cotton. Yeah, that, that, that trade just literally makes your life so uh we'll touch on, we'll touch on that a little bit further on but um you know i've got to heron on my side who we've already talked about i mean i've got him a touch higher again um i just like his value um later in drafts than probably the 60th pitcher i think you can get him later than than he should be going in most pools because he's an afterthought for a lot of groups and uh, still should give you decent K numbers. He's definitely going to give you the innings to go with it. And, you know, like Hap in New York, probably going to spit out some extra wins uh, by winning some ugly games with that Atlanta offense this season. So um, I think that should be a real positive for DeHaron ahead of him at 59. 
I've got Tyler Skaggs who is already on the DL. Um, yeah, what a heartbreaker he is. Yeah, he's he's a killer. I mean, the talent's already there, but um, you know, odds are he's probably done for the year. Um, you know, the wind blew a little too hard, and you know, next thing you know, he's he's done. So, um, but the talent's there. I mean, we've all seen it. Um, it's just a matter of of kind of waiting for it. It sounds like he's going to be back. Um, he probably could have flirted with being an all-star last year, right? I mean, he started uh, great. I made a trade for him in our 14 team league and then he sucked. So you ruined it. It was a third. Well, the weird part is that he was on Smitty's team, so he shouldn't have been doing well there in the first place. And then when I traded for him, he sucked. I, I mean, at least he didn't die, but, uh, yeah, God, that sucked. And that was the third round pick I gave up for him too. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, you know, nothing really to spend some time on here. It's, it's a risk reward with, with Skaggs. The talent is there. The ability is there. But whether he puts it on the field or not, that's the risk reward you're talking about with him. Definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I've got him at, as my 58. So we're right, we're right in the same wheelhouse here. And uh, I've got Carlos Rodon as my number 59, who I believe you have ranked higher. Um, so I won't go heavy on him. I'll just mention that he's coming back from uh, 2017. He he got just under 70 innings and coming back from an injury last year, it was 120. So there's, again, there's some DL time with him. Um, but he's a guy who's going to enter his age 26 season. I think, Ty, you're expecting pretty big things from him. His career ERA is 401. He's not a huge K guy. I think he had 90 Ks in his 120. So maybe he'll be a little bit better this year. Again, we're all hoping that that Chicago team's a bit more competitive to help to boost all that pitching. But to me, he is he's a he's a typical guy. I'm going to look to get if I'm waiting on pitching. He's probably going to be a very regretful uh, SP two or potentially an SP three. I'm taking a chance on. Yep, absolutely. And I mean, there's lots to like uh, risk there, no questions, but we'll touch on that when we get to him on my side of the fence. I've got, um, you know, at, at 58, you've got Skaggs, who we just spent some time on, so we can skip over him. Yep. Um, on my side, uh, Tanner Roark in, in Cincinnati. I like the trade for him. He kind of will get some actual recognition in Cincinnati, um, but it's more or less I like it for him, the person, and a lot less for him, the fantasy baseball player, because I think – uh, that ballpark will hurt him a touch. Uh, but at the same time, I think the defense is real good there in Cincinnati. So that could counterbalance some of that. Um, and that offense can be really good. So it got, again, another guy that's probably going to stumble into some ugly victories uh, and, and at the same time have some real good ones because he's been, with the exception of a couple blips uh, over the last five years, pretty much a pillar of consistency. Um, maybe one of the most consistent pitchers in all of baseball. Um, so from that perspective, great to, to have him when he's running on that path, but he's had a couple, uh, canyons in, in the stats there that, that could have crushed you a little bit, but, but for me, love Tanner Rourke a lot. Um, but just have that expectation that you might lose, um, you know, a little bit of him going to Cincinnati there. That division is also real good. And, and, uh, definitely a, a buy late guy. He seems to have crappy value and depending on really like who you deal with within your league, um, as far as where everybody's from, some people think that every Cincinnati pitcher is just going to be horrible because that park is such a hater-friendly park. And other people are thinking that everything's going to be good because the team is so much better than everyone thought it was going to be. So it could end up being one of those teams that's like a 500 team, which means you could very well have 
12 to 15 win pitchers all over that lineup because they are going to get wins. As you had said, Ty, they could be ugly. But I don't have Roark as one of the top 75 because for me, I've struggled to value him in a dynasty format. And to me, that just puts him outside. So, you know, he's an SP3, SP4 for me. Nothing bad to say about the guy, but I just don't see him as somebody who's going to make my list um, really no matter what he does this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and moving ahead again on fifty-seven, um, I've got Montas there, where we've talked about him as well. I mean, it, for me, it looks like he Frankie was on a bit of a an inning count last year, so that might explain some of the restrictions that he had later in the year. Um, you know, he he only pitched. Uh, let's let's just say, uh, what do we got? One one point one seven seven point one innings after um, you know July concluded. So. You know, there was something going on there. There was a small injury, I believe, but then they babied him down the stretch. And, you know, you could see them kind of tail off with some of his starts in July too. So, um, you know, a sub four ERA to finish the year. So there's obviously some stuff there. There's no question he's going to have some strikeout numbers uh, once he gets fully up to speed. It's just a matter of control for him. Um, and, and I think it'll round in a little bit this year. Uh, the 290 batting average is a little scary, but – um, you know that you're going to get a little higher average with your strikeout flamethrower type guys. Yeah, I'm hoping for it. I mean, you know, it's funny that I really like him and you've got him ranked higher, but sometimes that's just the way it works when, you know, you're putting your list together. I might really like him and I might be aggressive on him, but I'm also not ranking him higher than other players who I certainly like least at ideal guy is, is Jose Quintana. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm not a fan of Quintana last year. His ERA was just over four. He started 32 times, 175 innings. So he's not getting a lot of quality starts, 158 strikeouts. So, not so why do you high. have him so much higher than I do? That's my question. It, it's a good question. And maybe I could make a couple of little bumps here. But I think just for dynasty format overall, he's a guy who's going to get the ball every fifth day. He's going into his age 30 season. So there's still a lot left in the tank. Like easily you can see him. You can see him pitching in four years as a going into his age 34 season. And there's a lot to be said for somebody who can just pitch in the big leagues. And like his career war is, is 23.8. I don't think he's going to be terrible. This is again, if we want to go back to the everybody on the Cubs should be better trained. He doesn't need to do much to get his ERA under four. He doesn't need to do much to get his whip down. He's at 1.319. So he could get it down to 1.25. I think that's his career. There's work that can be done to get him back on track, but I don't know. To me, he's just he's he's somebody who I would feel safer having in the right context. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just a matter of where you fit him on the roster. Now, uh, back on my side at 56, I have uh, some kid gloves here with Mike Soraka. Um, not to be confused with the hot sauce, uh, but you know, ultimately, <laughs> you know, good Canadian kid out of Calgary. Uh, you know, probably he's got a little bit of hockey in his blood and, uh, you know, the, the Braves aren't giving him the, the credit for being a hockey guy, trying to fight through some injuries here, but um, they're definitely baby, babying him uh, along with uh, another guy out there, Luis Gohara. They're kind of in the same uh, stable right now of, hey, we've got some pitching depth. You guys are hurt. Let's slow you guys down um, so that we don't have too much of a log jam. So, you know, Sorak is a, is a pitcher. He, he had a good shot last year before he got hurt, um, and, and I think you'll see him up at some point later this season, um, at the very least for some spot starts. Yeah, he's he's the kind of guy, kind of like a, a Cal Quantrell, who just like 
everybody thought was going to be really good. And then all of a sudden the system that they were in became really deep, really heavy. And now they, for some reason, don't look as shiny and new. So <laughs> I don't know exactly what it is that um, has taken, and maybe it is, maybe it's just like some injuries that have just taken the shine off of him. but he certainly doesn't seem to be one of the top five for Atlanta this year. Maybe you can hope a little bit of that Canadiana from Anthopolis will get him, uh, you know, I don't know, half a dozen starts to see what he can do. But you always need somebody to go down in order for that to happen. He'll get in there when maybe we can do a straight one for one Pilar for Soraka. I don't, don't think that's going to happen. No, I heard, a, I heard a, <laughs> I forget where I saw this. There was a funny quote um, on, on Sportsnet radio. Um, you know, Bob McCown said they're trying to trade him as hard as humanly possible. They would take a slice of cheese for him at this point. And right. Yeah. You're talking about Pilar. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. He's hitting top of the lineup, batting a wonderful 153. Um, and then, you know, you've got the other boys there smacking it out of the yard. So uh, back on topic, um, you've got a guy in Seattle on, on the 56 spot that um, I'm not as high on because he had a, what I assume to be a career year last year. Rightfully so. I think, yeah. So uh, Marco Gonzalez, uh, Seattle, I still see he's entering his age 27 season. So I see him as somebody I am going to buy on. I'm not going crazy. So if we're in an auction league, depending on your format, if it's $260 uh, to spend, I'm probably not going to spend more than 12 bucks on him. But if he is available to you and you've already got two pitchers, he's a great SP3 for you. His ERA was four last year, started strong, faded a bit, not a big quality start guy. I don't know if they were holding back his innings, um, but he was 166 last year and 29 starts. So he, he does give up a little bit over a hit per inning, um, and he's a little bit under a K per inning. But his whip is one 1.22. Like he's not he's not crushing you anywhere, but he's a guy who I think you can put in and potentially plug in for like six or seven years. He had injury trouble when he was in St. Louis. They shipped him out, goes to Depoto Land, and gets the opportunity, and he's made the most of it. So I don't see a reason to um, walk away at this point in time. For me, I'm not I'm not going crazy for him, but I'm taking him if he's there for me. Yeah, no, and and I don't disagree. I mean, the upside's there, but. I just haven't saw seen enough yet for me to get um, that excited yet. So we'll get there, but uh, I'm not there on him just yet. Uh, on my side, I've got your boy Rich Hill slotting in at 55. 39 um, year old who? The guy's just a, a consistency monster. Um, you know, from a dynasty perspective, there's obviously giant red flags here. Um, maybe a year or two left in the tank. And now it's just a matter of whether he can kind of pass through that, um, you know, that window and give you value or, or whether you're buying and selling, keep that in mind when you're buying them. But, but the ability's there, he's going to give you some innings. He's going to give you some strikeouts and probably solid lot run of quality starts as well. Yeah. If he's, if he's healthy, he is throwing beautiful, beautiful pitches. And that's something that you want on your, on your team. He's going to get over a K per nine. He's, you just can't unrealistically have him and think, you know what? He's going to pitch 180 for me this year. Like that's not who Rich Hill is. So he's not going to go above. Like he's obviously just past his peak, which was probably 2017 when that, that trade went down with Montes and Cotton. And I just see Hill as a guy that I pick up in all sorts of leagues because nobody wants that old man and they're not sure when it's going to fall off for him. But when he's healthy, I'm putting him in the lineup. So 
to me, he's a, he's a buy now guy. I've only got him a couple ticks higher at 53, but we're all in the same family at this point in time. Now, somebody that I, I love to hate, who is my 55 guy is Kevin Gossman. Like I, I just, I just, he's a Baltimore, former Baltimore Oriole, never liked him coming up. He was always just similar to Bundy. Um, supposed to be this ace, supposed to be this great guy. It's hard to make that all come together when you're in the NL East or sorry, AL East. But, um, last year he, he really finished up pretty well after splitting time between Atlanta and Baltimore's ERA was three, nine, 31 starts for him for the year, 183 innings. Uh, what was he for K's? Like his, that's his issue is 148 K's. Uh, and he's given up about a hit per inning. So he's just, he's somebody to throw out there. He's hitting his age 28 year. So you can reasonably say the number should remain the same for the next two to four years for him. Uh, injuries have not been a big issue with him. So something that I would, well, I guess, yeah, the last three, three years, one of three, yeah the last four years so he's been totally fine so i would just think plug him in but don't count on high upside but this year again he's on a really good atlanta team so that's going to increase your wins i don't know that's going to get you more quality starts but it is hard like i don't know how many pitchers pitched over 183 innings last year but i i bet you it's under 30 so there's value in that i i like him a little bit better than that i mean for me um you know i think he was again i talk about this quite a bit one of those guys that got kind of buried in Baltimore. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of good going on the last year and a half, uh, which is really when Gossman was kind of supposed to be coming into his peak. So I think there was a really good value trade there uh, for, for Atlanta. I think they, they made a really nice move to get him over there. I, I expect, you know, kind of a 13 to 15 win season out of Gossman this year. Um, that brace seems going to yep. be pretty good. Uh, the strikeouts have, have been there for him, not off the charts, but um, definitely going to put the ball on the ground and should have a pretty good defense behind him there. So I would expect him to be a little bit of a, of a, a value buy there as well um, in the pitching slot. I, I think you could get him, you know, and he could flirt with SP2 uh, pretty frequently on the low end for sure and, and even flirt with that high end uh, for probably some good stretches of the season here. Yeah, I mean, he's just to me. He's I'm putting him out there. I'm not. I'm not really excited about it. So, um, hitting hitting for me anyway. Another uh, Cincinnati pitcher is Alex Wood. Uh, he was what was it? Seventeen was his All Star year with with LA. He broke in huge last year. Um, you know, nine and seven, three sixty eight ERA. But he started twenty seven games, hundred and fifty innings, hundred and thirty five Ks, decent WHIP, one hundred two. I like him. I think he can be as good or better. And if you look at the fact that he started 30, sorry, started 27 games, but he was in 33, uh, 150 innings pitched, he should be able to get those numbers up if he's healthy this year. I know he is one of the most confident SOBs out there. <laughs> in his all-star year, I remember somebody talking to him, I think it was at the all-star break and saying, you know, blah, 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 your first all-star game. How do you feel? And he said something along the lines of, I feel like I should have been here four years ago. Like, it was great. Like, it was like, wow, like that guy's a dick. You know, he's <laughs> former Atlanta Brave. And he's had a lot of injury issues. And he had a stretch, where are we looking here, from 15 to the end. So into 2017, where he pitched 119 innings, then 70, then 60. But the last two years have only been 150 innings. Prior to that, he was 170 and 190 inning guy prior to his injury, so 14, 15. So to me, 
he's a good pitcher. He just needs health to be on his side. And I mean, we're in the dynasty format and we're talking about a guy who's going to be 28 this year. That's who I want. And if people don't want him, I'm just, I'm all the more interested. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as we get into this tier of our, of our numbers, you're going to have guys that are very comparable and it's, it's into a coin flip type scenario. And this is where you win your league or lose your league. So um, really pay attention in this part of the draft because uh, it will determine your season. So for me on that side, you know, I touched on, on Gosman at 54, but at 53, uh, I've got Miles Nicholas, who you've got a lot higher. Uh, I, I'm expecting a bit of a regression here. I don't know that he's going to fall off the face of the map, but I, I think last year was a little bit pitching out of his skin. Um, and, and I think he'll have a small step back. Uh, he should move down um, the depth chart just a little bit in St. Louis this year um, on the pitching side of things. But, you know, overall, he's, he's going to get it done, a good SP3 high end um, with the potential to go to. But I think he probably ends up uh, as, an, as a four by season's end, even though uh, the Cardinals have him slotted uh, as a potential opening day starter right now, which to me is wild. Well, I mean, they also have Adam Wainwright in their rotation. So St. Louis is a little out of whack with some of the things. But to me, I have – so Ty's got him at 53. I've got him at 39. He is up a full tier for me. And one of the biggest things that I look at is where is this guy going to be pitching? See, Alex Wood, this is his last year in Cincinnati. So I don't see becoming a free agent after a year in Cincinnati as a bad thing because I can assume he's going to go to at least a similar park, more, most likely better. I know that Mikolas, because he re-upped, he's going to be, or, or is extended, he's going to be in St. Louis long-term, so he's a safer bet for me. And I don't disagree that he may have had his best year last year, but I don't see him dropping off the face of the earth. I can definitely see him sticking around, and I can see him becoming kind of like a, a 16-17 Marco Estrada, where you're giving him the ball every fifth day and you're not disappointed, but you're also not blown away with the stats. But you need pitchers. You like people used to always crap on R.A. Dickey for uh, not providing enough from a fantasy standpoint or even just being an MLB pitcher, but he was always in and around or over 200 innings. He was putting together some quality starts. He just didn't do it at the level that everybody expected, but he is the kind of guy who in your rotation and fantasy, you just put in there. So Miklas to me is somebody you're just going to put in there. Now his value is going to be quite high this year. So you might in a dynasty format, just have him on your, on your watch list. And if he doesn't start off the year, great. Somebody who bought a little high might be like, Hey, I, I wouldn't mind getting away from that. And that's maybe where the difference between us is, is I'm looking at, at him and thinking uh, he's going to stick around regardless now that he's got this extension and, you know, that's just, that's how it is for me. For It's a bigger safety issue, I guess, yeah, for me. I, I just, I like, um, you know, breakout guys less on the pitching side at the older years. Um, you know, I, I, I love post-hype guys on the offensive side, you know that. But um, on, on the hit, the pitching side, I am not as, as excited about post-hype guys, which is what Nicholas ends up being. So he just scares me a little bit. But, you know, getting into 52 here, I've got Kyle Hendricks, who, you know, at the end of the day, um, could be a really nice comparable for Michaelis. Um, you know, Michaelis is probably going to hit a better better strike uh, strikeout total than than you're going to get out of, of Hendricks. But, um, you know, I think kind of that same, you know, cut of cloth you were just talking about, which is, um, you know, go out there every fifth day, do your job, move on, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And Hendricks was 344 ERA last year, 14 wins. Like, he's just not a K guy. That's it. Like, everything else is solid. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just – 
uh, for for Nicholas, I just can't see him, um, you know, delivering um, in the same same kind of way at 200 innings as he did last season. So um, keep in mind, like he went from you know pitching in Asia the year, a couple of years prior to 200 innings in the pros. Like I'm expecting some sort of downside for for him this year as a result of that. But um, I'm with you on Hendricks. Hendrick takes all the boxes. He might be uh, our this kind of era is. Greg Maddox a little bit um, just in a different era where the umps have cut down on the corners that Maddox and those boys used to get away with. Uh, Hendricks doesn't have those corners. If he did, I think it'd be a different story for this kid. Yeah. He, I mean, you know, again, this, the whole Chicago Cubs should be better thing. If he's better or sorry, if the team is better then his numbers are only going to improve this year. And he is, I think the best pitcher on that Cubby staff headed into this year. Um, so uh, popping over to my 52 is somebody who I had ranked. I think I'm going to say he was in my mid teens last year. He may have been even higher. Like I loved the crap out of Julio Urias and he broke my damn heart last year. Not as much as you did in the draft when you took him before me. You. Oh, okay. (laughs) Very, very anticlimactic. Yeah. Geez. I was expecting more. Uh, So I'll like, I'm just going to read off that he's had 104 innings pitched, but the guy's got 102 strikeouts. His whip is super high, 1.438, but it's hard to judge any of that. Uh, ERA of 3.71. Yeah, he's what, 21? uh, Well, like this year will be his age 22 season. And he missed so much time, but he came in as a 19-year-old, like – he started 15 games, pitched 77 innings, and like that blew his rookie eligibility. So everybody like almost forgot about him in 17 when he didn't get to do much, and in 18 when he barely came back at the end of the year. So this could be a year where you can buy him, like as a late SP2, where I've got him at 52. So Julio, as a 19 year old, pitched 77 innings and lost rookie eligibility. The next year, 23, and he's hurt everybody forgot about him in 2017 because he got hurt come 2018. He wasn't going to start the season or be back by the all-star break or anything like that. So I think people just forgot about him and he only ended up pitching four innings last year. Well, guess what that man's ERA was zero because that's how everybody remembered him. They just, he, he was a reliever. He pitched, he pitched what, like two games or something like that. But then in, in the playoffs, he was dynamite. So whether people remember that or not to me, I feel like it's a safe bet to get him here. I've got him 52. I could easily see next year he could be 30-plus spots higher, but he needs to get in this year, and he needs to pitch somewhere reasonable, like 120 innings or so. And I know LA has said they're making him a starter, so I don't expect to see him begin the year as a Dodger, but I can see it already with uh, Kershaw probably not making opening day that he could be the sixth man if Stripling's in there right now. So there's no no reason to not think that your ace isn't going to hit that peak now and and why not get on it, but you certainly don't need to jump all over it. Well, and I haven't announced my keepers yet in the 14 man pool, but he will be on that list breaking maybe, news. Maybe we should have a chat because I haven't announced mine either. Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely should do a co-announce. Um, you know, maybe we can do a live uh, stream as I did. last. <laughs> no so. one else will care, <laughs> I know, but it, that's what makes it funny. Uh, so anyway, uh, but Urias for me is, is, is keeper worthy in that pool. And that's a, you know, a little bit of a more sh- a shallow league, but, um, you know, still, a, a, a dynasty type setup. And, uh, for me moving forward out 
beyond Uris, we'll touch on him a little bit later when we get to him in about you know x number of picks um i've got yeah. Char- charlie morton in tampa to round out um you know my back half of my list here uh, i like charlie morton there's not a lot to hate here the guy's pretty good pitcher uh the only thing that really has him down my list is age uh it's really that simple uh, i love him i love him even more in tampa bay uh, i just don't like the age and that's really the reason i've got him at 51 yeah like i've got i've got more up a little bit higher but i also like where i've got more than 30 35 for me some you've got in the 50s i've got in the 30s and or in the mid to high 30s like i've got morton hendrix and Mikolas, who you all have in the mid 50s and that's fine like i just see morton as somebody who i could uh, put on my roster kick him around for a year and change if he doesn't flame out last year was probably his peak he still should pitch and pitch fairly well in tampa bay he's a trade ship for you maybe he gets you a prospect maybe he gets you something else somewhere down the road but he's a piece you want to have an sp2 for sure I can definitely see him uh, being forgotten about because he's no longer on Houston high-powered offense, and he's somebody who had a good year last year, and a lot of people like Ty would just say that was his peak. Somebody else who I think is probably a year or two away from his peak, but I don't know how high it's going to be, is Sean Newcomb of Atlanta. This is his age 26 season. Last year he came in uh, 12-9, and ERA just under four, started 30 games, 164 innings, 160 strikeouts. The whip's a little high. I basically think anybody with a whip over 1.25 is somebody I'm not sold on yet. And his 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 control was his issue as a as a minor leaguer. And his rookie year, he came in and, and apparently had it under control. But when you look at his career numbers, they were worse in his first year than last year. His career is 1.42. So somebody that I definitely think about because he's going to get you about a K per inning um he's going to be on a good again we're talking about a lot of atlanta pitchers it seems we're gonna we're gonna see these guys get a little bit better this year they should get a bump and i don't see him as somebody who is in potential uh to lose their roster spot but he could certainly be a trade chip if a team wants an mlb now guy uh if they're trading some kind of upper echelon guy at the deadline but regardless newcomb is a guy who i'm putting in my lineup i'm plugging him in in dynasty and i'm just going to see what he does yeah, no, I have a much, much higher, but um, we'll touch on that in the, in the later part of of our pitcher, pitcher rankings here. But that wraps up our, our bottom 25, and, you know, is we've got lots to come here. Hang on for our top 50 coming up next. We'll see you next time on Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go.